I'm going to have a conversation here that I think uh, it's a question a lot of people have been asking over the past few days. Going back to last Friday, and we told you the story on Friday, two activists with the group Just Stop Oil walked into the National Gallery in London and tossed a can of tomato soup on a priceless painting by Van Gogh. Sunflowers. You've seen it. Trust me. If Even if you don't know, as soon as you saw it, you'd go, oh yeah, I know that one. Um, it is one of the most important pieces in the National Gallery in London. It is worth untold millions. I don't know if you could put a price on it. I saw somebody say about 85 million maybe, but I, uh, who knows? Who knows? Um, one of the activists, Phoebe Plummer, who's 21, threw the soup at the painting and then said, are you more concerned about the protection of a painting or the protection of our planet and people? Um, she and another 20-year-old, Anna Holland, both arrested by London police and are now facing charges. Important to point out, there was no damage done to the painting. It's covered by glass. Uh, most of the paintings in galleries are. Um, and the processor said they knew that ahead of time. They knew they wouldn't be damaging the painting. But after they uh, threw the tomato soup, they then put super glue on their hands and glued themselves to the walls of the National Gallery. So there was the process of getting them freed from the walls and then taken into custody. question a lot of people are asking is, I mean, this is a stunt, right? Uh, is it effective? Could it be counterproductive? What's, uh, what's the thinking? So um, for that conversation, we're going to chat with Tara Mahoney, who's a Vancouver-based advocate and has years of experience in putting together these various movements, social movements like this, trying to get ordinary people engaged in the climate crisis discussion. Tara, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. So this incident that we saw in London on Friday, it's got an international headlines. What's your reaction when you heard the story and you saw what was your what, what did you think? Um, I, I mean, I think my first reaction was one of um empathy for the young people who were who are doing it um i i mean to me it, it speaks to the desperation that you feel around climate change um you know imagine how how you must feel if you're i think they were like 19 or 20 yeah 20 and 21 and i think yeah 20 and 21 and um you know you, the, you're reading the reports from uh various government and and un and the un about climate change and it's saying you know the future looks very bleak mm -hmm. uh you know and 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 people are contemplating whether or not they want to have kids and 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 whether they they even be able to uh, work uh, a a regular job because you know the the climate breakdown and things like that and so I think I think young people are very very scared and desperate and when you're scared and desperate you do things like this and I think they they're reacting to the lack of action from government and they're reacting to the lack of action from the fossil fuel industry who refuses to to act in a way that's going to make a meaningful difference in in uh these in the trajectory of climate change at, right now I mean hopefully this context changes but as we can see right now the the amount of action that's being taken by at a structural level is nowhere near what we need to be doing so yeah to me i i felt empathy for them yeah and i think you know what a lot of people would agree with you in terms of it's a cause that we we need to be paying attention to we need to be working on and we need action on um as someone who's put together the kind of efforts to try and engage more people and get more people involved what happened on friday in london does that help well, do you think it will work? Because I know there's a lot of people that were laughing, a lot of people that were angry. And like you say, there was a lot of people that thought, yeah, good for them. This is something that's important. So do you think it's at the end of the day, did it help or did it hurt their cause? 
Um, I think it helps. I mean, we're talking about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And people all over the world are talking about it. You're always going to have, you know, a, a diversity of reactions to something like this because it is dramatic and it is, you know, you are, you as you mentioned in the uh, in the outset there, you know, it's a famous painting. It's worth a lot of money, and that's why they chose it. And so it, it's gonna it's gonna cause a polarizing reaction. I don't think that's surprising. But I think that these tactics, you know, are complementary. So, and, you know, we need everybody doing everything at this point. You know, we need policy people working on policy. We need teachers working on education. We need people working at a neighborhood level. We need people working on food security. You know, we need everybody to be doing absolutely everything that they can. And so this is one, this is one tactic. This is one way to get attention, to get people talking, to wake people up a little bit and to, to, you know, communicate that sense of desperation that I talked about earlier that I think young people feel. So I do think it works. Um, I, you know, like I said, you're not going to win over everybody, yep. but it got us talking. It certainly did. And I mean, in terms of raising awareness, there's no question it, it did the job. As someone who's worked on campaigns and put together these kinds of efforts to get more people talking about it, what 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 is, do you think, the most effective way, um, like you say, this will upset some people, might help draw some people to their cause? I mean, I, is there one way of just sort of being all positive? Like, there's going to be backlash to this. I mean, it's a polarizing issue, right? So is that just something that you need to accept on this front um not necessarily like like i said i think this is one sort of style of climate activism um another you know more i guess constructive or sustainable style or accessible i guess would be a better word um is like the neighborhood level stuff you know like i work uh, lately i've been working a lot on um kind of climate preparation and adaptation efforts and that stuff really seems to um, bring people together in the sense of like, you know, if your home is at risk for, you know, you live close to a yep. body of water or your, you know, I have two young kids. If your young kids health is at risk because it's extremely smoky, like it is in Vancouver right now, you want help. You want, you, you want to work with people to figure out how to keep your family safe. And so I find that that mode of engagement, especially as an entry point into climate action, um, brings people in from all different walks of life. And then you can start talking about about, you know, how do we keep each other safe? How do we help each other? And that seems to be, um, yeah, a depolarizing way of doing it. But like I said, I mean, I think I think all tactics are, are valuable at this point. Um, but yeah, that, I think there's other ways of doing it that bring bring people together in a in a constructive kind of dialogue in a in a, a way that they can mutually help each other. Yeah, yeah, great conversation, um, Tara. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you being with us today. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.